Welcome back to the Refugee Report. Let's talk about Syria. The civil war has been ongoing in the country for nearly 10 years, producing the world's worst refugee crisis. The complex present war is the product of both an authoritarian history and foreign intervention. Since the situation in Syria is so complex, we feel that we must explain the humanitarian crisis in multiple parts. Therefore, this episode will be dedicated to explaining the context of the Syrian situation and the human rights abuses committed by ISIS. Before discussing this, we would like to warn you that the information and audio presented may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. We would also like to add a specific trigger warning for this episode since there is graphic information about sexual assault. Syria is a country located in the Middle East. Its coastline is along the eastern Mediterranean Sea, and its geography consists of large deserts, high-rising mountains, and lengthy plains. Humans have been living in the region for millennia, making it one of the oldest civilizations on Earth. Over the course of those years, Syria has been occupied and controlled by numerous foreign entities, including the Roman Empire, the Persian Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the British, and the French. Syria as we know it today was formed into an independent country in 1946. From this point on, Syria faced a rocky political climate, with coups and government corruption becoming more frequent. In 1970, this all took a dramatic turn when Hafiz al-Assad overthrew the government and established an authoritarian rule over the country. He transformed Syria into a more militaristic country and suppressed opposition. When Hafiz al-Assad died, power over Syria remained in the family and Hafiz's son, Bashir al-Assad, began his presidency in 2000. Bashir was even more oppressive than his father and slowly the Syrian people began to turn against him. This reached a culminating point in 2011 during the Arab Spring. The crowds were enormous, gathering all across Syria for the first time since a nearly 50-year-old state of emergency was lifted by Syria's President Bashar Assad. Protesters demanded the end of the regime, ripping down a statue of the president's father, bracing to see the reaction of heavily armed government security forces. The answer came quickly and violently. Hundreds of thousands of protesters took to the streets across Syria to protest the Assad regime. The government's response was swift and violent, with protesters being shot in the streets and tortured by government officials. It is estimated that about 3,500 protesters were killed, making it one of the most deadly protests of the Arab Spring. By the summer of 2011, protesters began arming themselves, and some military divisions defected from the Assad government. Together, they formed the Free Syrian Army, and a civil war broke out in the country. From this point on, the war starts to become extremely complicated. Jihadists and extremists wanting to take advantage of the situation flock to Syria, and a branch of Al-Qaeda is formed within the country. These extremists fight Alan rebels, making it difficult for Western countries to provide military support to the rebels. Bashir al-Assad recognized this and released jihadists from Syrian prisons out into the country. This group eventually split away from Al-Qaeda and would go on to form the terrorist organization ISIL or ISIS. In 2012, another player emerged, the Kurds. They are the Middle East's fourth largest ethnic minority, yet they do not have their own country. Instead, they are scattered between Syria, Iraq, and Turkey. So, Kurds began to take up arms, secede from Syria, and form a new country known as Kurdistan or Rojava. Their military is called the Syrian Democratic Forces, or YPG, 
and they have been especially active in fighting terrorists in the region. From 2012 onward, the situation in Syria becomes a massive chess match with multiple superpowers influencing the war for various reasons. If you are interested in a detailed analysis of those involved in the war, please check out the sources we have linked in the description. However, here is a brief overview. The war has been primarily fought between four factions. The first is the Assad regime, who is supported by Russia, Iran, and Hezbollah in some capacity. The next faction is ISIS, and the terrorist organizations in the region who have gained and lost territory throughout Iraq and Syria. The third faction is the rebels, who are fighting to establish a democratic government in Syria. They are supported by the United States, the United Kingdom, France, Turkey, and Arabic Gulf region countries. However, this support is complicated because the United States has struggled to provide effective assistance without helping terrorists. Furthermore, many Gulf region countries, including Saudi Arabia, have indiscriminately given weapons to groups fighting Assad, including terrorists. This has made the lines between rebels and terrorists in Syria more blurred. The final faction is, as mentioned, the Kurds, who have had to fight the Assad regime, terrorist groups, and Turkey. In all, the four factions are the Assad government, the rebels, the terrorist groups, and the Kurds. Obviously, there's a lot to understand here, so we want to break it down more for you. Therefore, we will be making an episode specifically about the situation involving the Kurds and the human rights abuses committed by the Assad government. Those episodes will be coming out sometime in the near future. In this episode, we specifically want to look at the atrocities committed by terrorist groups in the region. As mentioned, ISIS began to consume large swaths of territory between Iraq and Syria. Once this happened, they declared themselves a caliphate and they declared Raqqa as their Syrian capital. The terrorist organization proceeded to enforce strict laws that terrorized and oppressed local people. One way they did this was through Hizbah, which is the local religious police that enforced extremist ideologies. They patrol the streets, constantly harassing and arresting people who do not follow their strict laws. This can be for a range of reasons, from not dressing a certain way to swearing. Punishments for this have included public lashings and public executions. Public executions have been especially used as a way to terrorize the local population. Oftentimes, whole communities are forced to watch as their neighbor is being decapitated. Then, the body is often left out in the public. This is done as an example to remind the people that the slightest transgression can result in death. Although these facts are horrifying, the true victims of their reign have been women. Usually when I research conflicts, women are often the most persecuted. However, the treatment of women under ISIS is immeasurably horrible. Listen to the story of Nora and her son, Noor. Noor was locked up in prison with his mother. Since their release, he barely speaks. He may have been too young to understand what he saw, but he did watch his mother being raped. The prison guard came in the room. My son was on my lap. He pushed him away. My son was two years old. A two-year-old will know how to look away and face the wall. Because of this, both Nora and her son Nora face severe psychological trauma. In addition, Nora has been shunned and abandoned by some in her family for speaking out about her experience. There is a shocking amount of stories of sexual assault, just like this one, from women who have survived ISIS. The amount of sexual assault caused by the group is so large that we may never know its true scope. In addition, women are often rejected by their family, just like Nora was, for speaking out about their sexual assault. 
This makes it especially difficult to truly understand the amount of sexual assault under ISIS. Along with this, many describe being forced into child marriages and being forced to wear full face coverings in public. Those who resist this can face torture, humiliation, and execution. What makes all of these atrocities especially shocking is that those who enforce them are sometimes not Syrians. In fact, extremist foreigners from the Western world, including the United Kingdom and the United States, have flocked to Syria. They have been accused of carrying out many of these human rights crimes. Some of these crimes have included executing and torturing reporters from their own home country. Also, the human rights crimes I've described do not include the horrifying terrorist attacks that have been committed elsewhere in the world, including other parts of the Middle East and in Western cities, including Paris. Luckily, the territory controlled by ISIS has greatly diminished in Syria. Unfortunately, this does not mean the threat of ISIS is at an end. Many of those who were loyal to the terrorist group have been moved to large walled prison camps in Syria. Here, crime and murder is frequent, and those within the camps continue to hold on to their extremist ideologies. This has gone greatly unchecked, and young children in these camps are being indoctrinated. In addition to this, the threat of continued terrorist attacks from ISIS, especially within Syria, is still a danger. This is where we are going to pause our discussion and conclude this episode of The Refugee Report. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Stay tuned to hear our future episodes on the situation in Syria. We'd also like to apologize for the delayed postings of episodes lately. We try our best to make weekly episodes, but we are IB students and we are trying our best to balance this with our academic obligations. We appreciate your patience. As always, thank you for listening.